friend. Thank you so much for joining us on our very first podcast episode. You are about to hear a very fun conversation between myself. I'm Krista Esquivel, the Executive Director of the YMCA Youth and Family Services here in San Diego. You'll also hear from Justin. He's our Director of Community Engagement. And you'll hear from TK. That is short for therapist, Christina, and she's actually called Christina Halmai, and she's our clinical innovations consultant. If you'd like to hear a little bit more about who we are and the community we serve here in San Diego, give our intro episode a listen. Otherwise, just stay right here and enjoy. Well, hi, friends. Uh, Well, let's get started with our uh, opening remarks. So since the last time we were together, we uh, certainly want to, you know, talk about something that stood out to us. So... Justin, opening remarks. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Um, My opening remarks is basically on my internal thought process when it comes to all of this. I can tell you I'm super excited to be on a podcast with you both. Finally. Uh, Yeah, finally, right? I can tell you that uh, for me, talking has never really been difficult and talking to public spaces hasn't been difficult. But for whatever reason, I woke up at three in the morning nervous with with this whole uh, opportunity. And so um, I started examining that prior to this event. So uh, basically had to go outside, do a little little meditation, little uh, close my eyes and listen to the sounds of the birds uh, and the trees and all and the wind and all that just to kind of get in sync. And there is nothing more better than opening your eyes and feeling that oneness, right? Feeling that connected. So and it works. So it worked. Yo, I, that's, I'm that's earth, fresh. wind and relationships right there. In the middle of the earth. night, you went out and did all that. It was in the wind. No, no, no. I woke up at three in the morning. I just couldn't. That, 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 it, that's the yeah. middle of the night. Absolutely. That's the middle yeah. of the night. I mean, I wake up traditionally at 435. That just felt like I woke up early. But um, but the point being the power of uh, just slowing down and getting in sync and embracing where the mind is at and, and, and hitting the reset button. So, you know, opening the eyes and. I don't know. Maybe earth, wind, and connections is the route to go. I don't know. Maybe. It is. It's winning. It's it's also earth, wind, and relationships. You already got it wrong. Uh, <laughs> earth, wind, and relationships. All right. That's a beautiful opening remark. I love it. TK. TK, no what's your kidding. opening remark? Gosh. Well, um, I feel stuck a little bit on, on Justin's, um, like, middle meditation of the night, uh, yeah yeah because yeah. i i meant to i like this morning i was like my kids were sleeping i was like you know what i should meditate for a few minutes and instead i vacuumed but that's like that could be considered um, meditation like for some people absolutely yeah i i did not i did not do it mindfully. Oh, okay. i was just okay. was it mindful vacuum. um but it was sort of one of those what's going to make me feel mm-hmm. a little bit better and i was went with yeah, like getting something done so a yeah. little bit, yeah. That that's a really good segue into my opening remarks. I I think the thing I'm most mm-hmm. worried about on us finally getting to to have this opportunity to have a podcast is the fact that I can't cuss. Every time, you know, when we're doing a training and one slips out and then you see everybody like loosen up. Yeah, like hey, these are real people. Like everybody right. just sort of loosens up. Yeah, they're like, Oh, okay, I could be myself. Um yeah. and it's so funny that just like this little a language uh slip lets everybody know. Like, it's cool. You can be yourself. It's safe. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, even if you're not a right. cusser. Right. We get we get people okay. to cuss who aren't cussers all the time. And I will tell you, it warms my heart when I hear yeah. someone who does not cuss. 
use the F word, I'm like, oh, there, there they are. There they are. The authentic self has emerged. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. It's just the best. (laughs) So, I mean, it's funny that we're now talking a little bit about culture and authenticity here, I feel like, kind of segueing right into the meat of this episode. So we've all been uh, using Zoom to be together. Uh, Our staff have been using Zoom to meet with clients. Our staff have been using Zoom to do uh, virtual therapy. Um, so we're like in it. We are in it right now. We are. Like, we are living yeah, history. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw, I saw yeah, your well, It's true. I, that, was, that, was, that was deep. It is deep. No, it's, it's crazy. I mean, uh, th- this is history. This is, you know, we've had pandemics in the past, but this is, we've, it's history for sure. And we'll all always talk about some things we did, uh, some reflections that, you know, we, we had time to sit and think about in this whole process. And I really believe in the end, we'll all come back stronger, more resilient. And I think a little more. I hope so. I want to come back stronger. I'm keep telling myself I'm starting with pushups and squats. (laughs) (laughs) I want to emerge. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah you come out and everybody's like whoa oh. what happened to you Hello. that'd be that'd be so great <laughs> but i mean uh you know it, it this is such a crazy time and i think you know i've had a lot of conversations with friends and family who are dealing with um employers and organizations that maybe haven't handled it in in a way that they i don't felt good about right? Or that made their employees feel good. And I know that's something that we really from the, from the get-go tried to avoid. We, we were all about planning, acting with urgency, uh, taking initiative and, and kind of doing this because you can't really prepare for something like this, right? I think now the question is, is how do you prepare for something like this? But I, I mean, this hasn't happened in over in a hundred years. So we couldn't, we, there's no reason that we would have prepared for this, right? Um, so kind of walking us back to, um, I think it was March 14th or 13th. Um, it was a Thursday and we happened to have a large management staff meeting. So it was with all of our managers at YFS. So I don't know, like 20 of us, 20, 23. Yeah. Yeah. 20 of us were all together. Um, we, it was a, a regular planned meeting. We have these monthly management meetings when we're all together. They're actually called brain trust meetings. And um, that was when we sort of started to get like this vibe or this feeling like something was going to happen. Something big was going to happen. And so we, we had the opportunity to sit down as a group and discuss what, um, so I mean, I don't know. I know what my vibe was of that meeting, but like, do you remember that meeting? And Christina, you actually were on Zoom for that meeting because yeah. you weren't feeling well. And so you thought maybe you already had COVID. You didn't, but you thought you might. And so you took the you know initiative yeah. to stay home and we put you on the big giant screen so you could see everyone and everyone could see you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We... um Actually, my it was my husband and I, we both stayed home that day because he works in healthcare. And I said, you can't go to work. There's this virus is like spreading. Italy was already, you know, experiencing like a lot of hardship. And 
there was definitely hints that it was, you know, going to become more of an issue here in our country um, and specifically in California. Um, so, yeah, I felt like it was the right thing to do was to stay home. Also, because, um, Christy, you yell through email in all caps every <laughs> fall yes. to the entire right staff team to stay home if you're sick. Look, stay home. Look, don't come in. Coming to work sick is actually doesn't make you look cool or like you're super dedicated. It just actually is rude and inconsiderate to your clients and to your uh, right. colleagues. Um, so Justin, this might be what you're talking about when you say you don't want to disappoint me. You love me and you fear me because <laughs> I certainly, if if I if I come into contact with someone who's sick at work, I am like, are you sick? And they're like, yeah, I don't feel good. I go go home right now. Like you need to leave. This is not okay. And this is pre-COVID. So I, I'm ready to tell people to right. stay at home. That's that's not hard. That's for sure. You know, what I recall from the, the, the management meeting um, is that the spectrum of, of uh, interpretations amongst the room of how serious this was or serious it was not, right? And right. it was interesting, even for myself, to be honest with you, I... I was talking to you maybe, sitting there. maybe didn't take it super seriously in the beginning. Right. I was next to someone who also didn't take it super seriously. And we were talking about buying tickets to Hawaii because they were super cheap during this event. We're like, Hey, we're going to go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I actually Hawaii. talked, I think I actually <laughs> talked to this person you're talking about um, yes. after, and I actually encouraged her to go to Hawaii yeah. <laughs> before it was closed. <laughs> they closed yeah. Hawaii though, by the way, <laughs> Hawaii's closed. <laughs> But, you know, there's, there's, there's me oh and that unnamed person on one side. And then there's others on the other side that are like, yo, you got to stay six feet away. No hugs, no handshakes, no any of that. Mm -hmm. And um, you can see it in people's faces. Like some people were were shook. You know, they, they were afraid. And I, I found that to be interesting because it's rare when the outside world impacts our day-to-day, -day, our day-to-day -day living. And that's exactly what's happening. So, you know, then my next thought is, all right, if this is going to be the case and we're going to have to do this uh, adapting, you know, what's that going to look like and how are we going to get through it? And Chris, I remember thinking, because I've seen you in, in multiple, multiple perspectives, and I've seen you get on planes and sometimes you get a little, a little bit nervous, right? A little bit nervous. Oh, I, yeah, thinking, I don't like the, I don't like the planes. Right. No. And thinking, mm -mm. how is she going to respond to this? Is she going to be, is she going to be, um, nervous project being nervous and you know being authentic is fine and i was i was, I was like oh man you were super grounded and you were about we as a whole will figure this out we mm -hmm. need to figure this out what's the science saying uh what is the best way to approach this i also loved how even on that call jim got on that call because yeah really cool right and he was, at, he was like man we have a medical professional advising us mm -hmm. And, and then the thing yeah. that the next layer that was interesting is how the different managers were reacting to, to this transition that we were going to take. And some of our, some of our managers pretty flexible, like, cool, we can adapt. Others started yeah. thinking about things. What would my, what would my funding source, the people that I'm responsible to, how will they allow me to adapt? We can't, we can't make these changes. Mm -hmm. and, and so everyone's processing and everyone's thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and you boldly stated like it, none of that matters. Mm -mm. safety matters first and this is what we're going to do as a whole and we're going to make the best decisions possible i think that moment solidified that as a group we're in this together we're going to get through this together we're going to adapt we're going to respond and we're going to we're, we're going to take it one day at a time and we're going to figure it out yeah well and we're going to continue to take care of the people we right. take care of first first and foremost like that was that was 
Yeah, that's it. Like we we simultaneously will take care of ourselves, but we have to continue to take care of these people that under duress that we anticipated was coming. Mm-hmm. They're going to be even more vulnerable more for sure, for sure. And so I think mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's like part of our collective uh, values, right? As a as a group of people uh, who work together, is is that like our clients always come first, and then our staff are are also super important, how they feel, their health, their wellness, their well-being. Um, and we had those kinds of conversations, right? I think uh, I remember sitting in that room together on the eve of a pandemic. We did not realize it was the eve of a pandemic. I mean, we went as far as to say, okay, let's do a practice work from home day. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we were going to do a practice work from home day the following Monday. And it was literally the next day, schools throughout San Diego County closed, which I mean, helped force the closure of this, of, of all the businesses, you know, once, once parents couldn't go to work, um, we knew, we knew it was on. Right. I, I think my, uh, my daughter's preschool closed that day. Your kids' schools closed, your kids' schools closed, everybody's kids' schools closed. And we were like, okay, now we're really stuck at home. It wasn't the governor's orders that stuck us at home. It was the school closures that that had us stuck at home. Um, I think those, those came first. So, uh, so we never got to, we never got to test that day, but I thought it was really cool that as a group, we had, you know, we have this like established culture among us where we can tell the truth. We can tell the truth, even if that is, that means that we're disagreeing with me or with a colleague that we, you know, love and care for. We can disagree that these disconnections don't mean that we don't like each other. They don't mean that we're unprofessional. They don't mean anything. They mean that we're having, you know, truly uh, critical conversations, right? Like if we're all just agreeing, then it's just a big group think and we all know what happens when it's group think. Um not the best ideas are the ones that emerge. And, you know, those are the kinds of conversations, even when folks did, you know, take time to say like, hey, I'm maybe not the most flexible person and I'm worried about this thing. Those were important parts of that conversation. And, you know, instead of of saying, you know, we can't worry about all those things right now, it was like, well, we're going to worry about that. That is a completely valid concern and that is going to matter, but it's going to matter three days from now, it's not going to matter 24 hours from now. Um, and we were able to kind of prioritize the things that we had to worry about and plan for, I think, in in that very short period of time and respond and react to it while being sure that we could keep doing the work that we are funded to do, but we're not going to be able to do it in the way that we traditionally do it. You just, you, you couldn't. Some of our services we we kept doing, right? Housing, we're still housing people. Absolutely. We're still moving people in. We're still serving them in their apartments. Uh, we're just doing it in a very different way. You know, and, and I think it's for, for us three being in that room and having those moments of authenticity and, and validating each other, it, it just feels normal, right? It just feels like this is, this is the way it is. Yeah. Way, this is the way it is in our space. And and maybe even the assumption that this is probably the way it is everywhere else and everyone else's right. job. I mean, that everyone else's job sat down and, and uh, did the same thing. Did the same thing. And uh, on a side note, ate pizza, probably the most communal food to eat in the wrong time, right? Like, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> we had a lot of pizza. That's right. <laughs> you know, and, 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 but I found that that's not the case. 
you know, I found in talking to some of my friends and my wife and, and different colleagues that they kind of press through as business as usual. Mm -hmm. There's no mm -hmm. addressing how each individual feels, how each individual feels now trying to, to mechanize to the Zoom vibe, how everyone has to adapt to, to doing their day to day while their kids are acting bonkers in the background. Right. You know, like, just not taking the time to actually say, this is what's going on and this is how I feel. No. So it's interesting though, right? I mean, when we talk about culture, that's what really drives, you know, to me, culture is a little bit of a buzzword these days, but well, yeah. And it's like, amb it's ambiguous and yeah. sort of like lives in the clouds. Yeah. yeah. What does it mean? But to me, a culture in the end, the, 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 the hallmark of culture is the language that's happening. It's the way people are communicating and we chose to communicate in the way we know best to be authentic and to be real and to embrace it and to be warm with each other um, and to look at each other and, and figure things out. And that mm -hmm. meeting, we still didn't know. We, mm -hmm. we just kind of put a like roadmap together and virtually from that day to this day now, we're still figuring things out. You know, we got the big picture done, but there's still little details that day to day we're having to you know, wrap our minds around. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think too, you know, with some, some people in this, you know, 20 plus meeting um, being more hyper vigilant than others, like that was an, that's still an important piece when it comes to, to adjusting to this, right. In this pandemic, but adjusting to everything we do all the time is we need I think, you know, we always appreciate that we have our really big out of the box thinkers in the group and we have our, you know, in the box thinkers and, and that like complementary uh, opposites that we come can't, well, that. we can't we needed live that. without we each other. Then. We, we can't live without each other. And I think that's, that's another right, right. thing we've done really well with our culture at YFS is we've found a way to blend those two groups of people together really beautifully because traditionally those groups of people mm -hmm. have a lot of disconnection, right? Um, we see it, we've experienced it. I've experienced right. it because I'm one of the big idea. I don't, you know, certainly I care about the details, but I don't want to do them or know about all of them. No. Um, you yeah, do them. Right, no, right, right. And, uh, but I appreciate the details. I understand that there are details that have to, you know, go into all of these things that we're really passionate about and these big ideas that we have. Um, but what I think is really great is that we've created an, a, a culture, again, this buzzword culture, but we've created a space where those people who, who are are more um, black and white and detail oriented and super uber organized folks, they can say, hey, Krista, stop acting like this doesn't matter. It matters. I need you to pay attention to me and pay attention to these details. And I can be like, whoa, whoa, okay, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry, you're, you are 100% correct. I'm, I'm up in the clouds and what do you need? How, how, do, how do you need me to show up? Um, and I feel like those folks have the opportunity mm -hmm. to say that to me. They can say it to you, TK. They can say it to you, Justin. Um, you know, there's a running joke, Justin. Hope you don't get mad, but you and your administrative skills, they're not all that great. And so um, we certainly know that when someone's uh, talking about an idea that Justin's going to execute, uh, there is an unspoken and spoken understanding that Justin will need some administrative assistance with whatever it is that needs to get done. <laughs> Can I have those names? <laughs> You're there. They say it to your face. I say it to your face. So, I mean, these, these, uh, these relationships that we have, um, because that's really what this is. These are relationships. We have real, true connection with the people that we work with. And 
I'd like to think that that kind of real connection trickles down to the way that our staff connect with their clients, because that is the utmost important thing that we can do, um, particularly working with clients who are under-resourced or vulnerable or at risk or high risk or whatever the nomenclature is we can use to describe who we serve. It's important that we connect with them because they need to trust us and they need to be engaged if they're going to get anything out of whatever it is we do, right? Whatever service it is they're coming coming to us for. Um, and so it, it really is those, it's those relationships. We I mean, I like, really I like how you say that. Where does that value come from though? Or, or appreciation of knowing that it's the way we engage from a leadership standpoint will then and influence how our our direct service staff are, are doing the same thing for the young people that work with. Like, where does that come well, from? Well, that's, I think for Krista, it comes from yes, the pilot of our business review. Social science <laughs> research or organizational <laughs> psychology research. Um, that's, that's where, that's where it comes from. In my mind, it comes mm -hmm. from the well, family function. You're a therapist. Right. And, which is yeah, based, it's, it's a system, but it's the it's same thing. The people yeah. in charge set the tone. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I mean, yeah. there's, I, I there's think the it's also answers. influenced by the fact that most of the people within our leadership circle, including you, Krista and you, Christina, uh, have had the experience through your, your careers of starting off in beginning positions, entry level positions and seeing maybe what life is like, not having that example and the value of knowing that you want to replicate what you see. You want to replicate the values that you see, right? And so when we, we talk about culture too, I think there's a large large part of that is what is the value that that our staff see amongst us? And I mm -hmm. do believe, as I know and I and engage with all of them, is that they see how well we can get along and joke and laugh. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and even in meetings that are supposed to be serious, there's still going to be several of us, including me, giggling and finding ways to find humor at everything. Yet when the time comes down to- Oh, it's business. This is serious business. Like we click on. This is serious business. Absolutely. Lives mm -hmm. with them. Because you're, you're right. I mean, for, for a young person to come off the streets who sees all of us, we're all strangers. Mm -hmm. we're, we all represent, for a lot of them, we represent uh, people that have failed them. You know, yep. we're adults. We don't look like them. We don't come from their exactly. communities. Um, so why in the world would you take the time to trust us? Mm-hmm. Yet we understand and appreciate that the layers of engagement that we have and all that authenticity builds those trusting, those trusting relationships. And that's, that's mm -hmm. where the, the magic happens. Right. But I, I firmly believe that if we don't have that happening within our circle of leadership, it's not going to yep. happen. I mean, we might have one or two, you know, that are doing that kind of stuff, sure. but outliers. And yeah. That our, our, our staff get down. I mean, they, they, as a whole, they value the relationships that they have with their participants and they put mm -hmm. effort into them. And the relationships they have with each other. Oh yeah. So circling back, you know, we've been talking about culture quite a bit. We've been talking about these relationships that we have with our staff. You know, you you both are in it, you've been in it, you you talk to our staff a lot you're around them more, I think, probably than I am. How do you think we've been able to do it? I mean, that's like the secret, right? It's like the magic. Like we say like, oh, it's just magic. We work at this weird, unique place. And it's, it's, it's just so different. It's unlike these other places. But when people say like, well, how? 
Well, I think the first thing is who we hire. Yes. That we're very um, discerning. Yes. About who and we intentional. Hire. Absolutely. I mean, yes, we're going through an HR process, right? That you have to ask these questions and fill out these forms and check these boxes. But I think we're like using our, um, uh, as they say in medicine, their gestalt to mm -hmm. really, you know, like get a sense of the person. And it's really just your intuition is, you know, and, and I don't know, there's nothing more scientific I could say or smart I could say about that particular thing. But I think we're really just trying to attune and get a sense of who this person is. And then yes, with certain questions, try and gauge how flexible are they? How, um, what's their capacity for compassion? What's mm -hmm. their what's their lived experience? Do they have any that, you know, helps them relate to the, to these people that we're trying to serve? Um, you know, I remember interviewing somebody and on paper, she looked great, came from a great school, had great experience. Um, and then I sat down to start interviewing her and she just made these faces that regardless of what, what the words coming out of her mouth, her faces said something different. And I just thought, oh, hon, you're not getting this job. You can't make no. those faces with a young person who's been in foster care their whole life. They're right. going to walk out and right. leave us. Right. It's not going to work. Yeah. Well, we talk about, you said it to me, uh, about compassion. I mean, compassion is probably one of our biggest values that we look for in individuals. I mean, we even have mm -hmm. cultivated questions to gauge people's compassion, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yep. and, and that's something that we care about tremendously. And we show it through example. We, to your point, Christina, we hire people that have that and we do everything we can to foster it and make sure that compassion lives in everything we do, whether it's mm -hmm. trainings, emails, right? Our email correspondence, it's demonstrating compassion. It's showing authentic care. That is so rare. That is so rare. And when I talk to staff, that's the things they tell me. This, this is who we are and this is how we want you to be. Be your authentic self. Bring it to the table. And I love when the staff's been with us about six to eight months. Now they kind of got the groove and now yeah. they start to explore the things they like and the things they want to bring to the table. Then you mm -hmm. start to see like, okay, now we're evolving as an organization and we embrace mm -hmm. that. And, and, and that to me, from my experience in other organizations, I've been a part of two other ones. Um, every organization has its values, the things they care the most about. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been part of organizations where compassion is at the top of the list. To me, compassion yeah. is like, oh, well, that's that's cool. But uh, how good are you at getting your data done on time? Or right. uh, how good are you at regulating other behaviors to ensure that they're not doing bad things, quote unquote, right? And that, that's not the case here. We, we understand and appreciate that human beings all bring their stuff with them and we'll embrace we'll embrace all of that i mean how, how can you not get behind that at least in this line of work right at least in the line of yeah. work we're working with other human beings so then yeah. part two is also we can't be judgmental because if you show up and bring your authentic self uh and it looks kind of messed up that day yeah. we're not going to judge <laughs> for it i once again didn't use expletive um but that, but I think that's another important piece is we're not going to judge you. If you happen to be a person that's really good at checking boxes, making protocols, great. We need you. We value that's a skill set we need. And we're not going to judge you when you don't get on board with some crazy idea we have. Yep. But don't mess it up. <laughs> don't mess up your work. I mean, we, 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 we'll judge you then. Yeah. Right. Exa exactly. 
I mean, that's why we have great professionals. They can do mostly everything. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Except, well, well, we won't talk about nah. those pieces. <laughs> Crystal, well, what was it? Can I ask so, a question real quick? As far as yeah, like, yeah, communication yeah. and correspondence goes. One of the yeah. things that I, um, you know, during this, the, the, the pandemic, um, one of the things that I saw from your standpoint was really important to do was to have uh, um, timely uh, communication with all staff and you yeah. send out emails. At first, it was very frequent. Every day. Every day right? Yeah, it was every day. And, yeah. uh, At the end of every day. And I, again, I would say that that's probably a rare thing for an executive to connect with all staff at all levels on a daily basis during this time. So, you know, what, where did that come from and why was that important to you? Um, I feel like, I feel like we maybe decided it. So like you and TK and, uh, some of our, our higher level managers, we had a zoom call at the end of every day. So that executive team was meeting every single day. And I think I just thought like, well, I feel good because I'm connected to my people every day. How do all of our teams feel? Um, do they feel connected? Do they feel like they understand what's going on? There was so much uncertainty, right. um, and I think there's uncertainty. It, it was everywhere, right? right they didn't right. know if they if their jobs were safe. Right. They didn't know if their you know if their schools were going to be closed for a long time. You know, with their kids at home. I mean, there was just so much uncertainty. So I sort of thought I just put myself in their shoes, and I thought, okay, well, I have the opportunity to like provide some level of certainty, mm -hmm. um, or just through like communication, and. I, so I just did it. And I think you guys told me to. So I listened also. So I, I, I think that was where it came from. And just knowing like that transparency, especially during like, honesty and transparency and consistency are the most important thing that you can do. Because when people feel out of control, that what does that do to our anxiety levels? And then how are we able, like our stress levels go up. We can't make good decisions. We're not able to focus. We know this. This is what we do in our work, right? We're here to reduce stress for our clients so that they can engage in goal-directed activities, reduce their stress, make their brains work better. I just, you know, I think we took all of what we know about brain science and applied it in this situation. And it was all about how do we reduce anxiety among our staff? And then one of the day, one of the ways to do that was to like be really honest in my emails and say like, hey guys, I'm freaking out. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, those, those well, emails were long too, right? I mean, they were, they weren't yeah. shorties. They were, they were long No, they ones. took me forever to write. Oh. And every, entirety of them. I mean, people were getting back and responding back. I mean, so you had a, an attentive audience that was looking forward to and reading, you know, reading those correspondence. For a minute. Maybe they were attentive. <laughs> I mean, I might have. Uh, I think. Ways. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I fully got that. Uh, I think you know, but that's kind of a good thing. That was a good sign to me. That was when I knew, like, okay, I don't, you know, everybody's feeling a little bit better, mm -hmm. right? There, there was less scrutiny. There were less questions. There were, you know, um, I got less responses, which I, I thought that that was actually a good sign. Mm -hmm. So then I could, you know, decrease that communication a little bit. I could pull back a little bit. I didn't have to do it every single day. Now I think I'm only sending emails twice a week. Yeah. Um, and folks don't seem to care. <laughs> folks don't seem to mind because we're in a new normal, right? Yeah. And maybe that kind of honest and authentic communication was part of everybody getting adjusted. And if, if that's the least we could do, then that was what we needed to do. We needed to be honest. And we made some mistakes too, I think, um, in those first parts of 
of this pandemic. And uh, we apologized for those. Mm -hmm. So I think in the very beginning, we were worried about productivity. We were worried about yeah. how how would our funders be able to know that we were still doing the things we were that we're being paid to do. And so in that, we sort of transferred some of that anxiety to our staff through you know the productivity logs to, to be sure that folks were still remaining productive uh, when we switched to a virtual model. And while yes, that is extremely important, I think what we realized was the focus on productivity decreased productivity <laughs> and made people <laughs> feel, and we know HBR would tell us that already, we already know that. Um, well, and they took too long. <laughs> Those logs took a long time to do. Right, right. Well, they didn't take some people long to do. Mm. <laughs> he who shall remain nameless. Yes, yeah. So I think um, I think we had to apologize for that. You know, I I, I certainly felt comfortable, and I was aware enough to to know that that maybe we placed too much of a focus on that at a time when people were already just overloaded, right? Like their nervous systems were totally overloaded. And to that was, wasn't doing any good. It was only doing yeah. harm. Yeah. So, so we took opportunities to apologize um, and admit, you know, when things didn't go as planned, that's another thing that builds trust. We say when we're wrong, mm. I'll say when I'm wrong, say when I'm wrong all the time. You don't seem to agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. No, you do. You do. We all do. We're we all, all do. you know, we're all wrong. No one's right all the time, as much as we'd like no. to believe that we are. <laughs> so your so your daily emails in the beginning as this massive like shift, right? Like at a global level, this shift was going on. Um, and there was uncertainty. Um they helped regulate, right? You're talking about helping to ease the stress yep. of, of your, your staff. And so your emails were a way to help them regulate their systems Yeah. Uh, when it comes to their work. And so, I mean, we talk about this all the time. This will be something that continues to come up in, in this podcast uh, that is still to be named, but um but I, I don't know, maybe we're going to have to probably spend a whole whole episode on co-regulating. Absolutely. Friends yeah, over. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I, I think that that'll be really great. And, you know, co-regulation, I think when you say it, the, the, the words don't make a ton of sense. But when you when it's happening to you, it feels really good. So when someone else is helping you to regulate your emotions and, and your thinking and your behavior, it feels really good because you don't have to do it all by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what came out of those emails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad, and I'm glad to hear that. Since was, We needed a leader and, and you, you were the leader and you led the people to greatness. The leader Virtual of greatness. greatness. <laughs> Virtual greatness. Yeah. Well, I think we just, we all didn't melt down. And so that, that is a win right there. I think that's greatness is we were able to continue doing what it is we're here to do um, and do it, you know, while still feeling kind of okay. I didn't want mm -hmm. folks to have to like work through really gnarly anxiety or, you know, really gnarly feelings of discomfort and overwhelm and then still try to help at the same time because that wasn't going to be good for them either. So 
at least getting to a place where like we felt good enough to be able to help other human beings. That was really where everybody needed to be. Um, nothing was going to feel perfect because in this moment in time, it can't. Uh, but getting to a place where we're at least like at least okay and well enough to, to be able to be there for other people. Hmm. I like that. I, I remember um, maybe two weeks into this, the first two weeks for me were really, really hard. Um, it was hard for me to figure out my role in all of this. It was hard for me to, yeah. you know, to adjust to just to our commun new communication style. It, you know, I, I'm so needing to be. You're an in-person dude. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know, and I just started, I, I, I almost felt like I just want to give up just like, fire me let me go let me just sit lay away into the sea <laughs> we mean, did have that conversation so we had that conversation uh -huh. we you certainly know? did and uh i was really feeling that way it's like what is my role in this right how can i help i want to help and um you know i remember kind of through an email alluding to that and you sent something back to me and and i just felt sparked boom all right get it together we got this i you know this is my role this is going to be a way that i can contribute um and and i feel so happy because i was reluctant at first to communicate my um despair despair <laughs> like that i didn't for a variety of reasons you know i just it's hard for me to admit some of those feelings but in knowing that i could and then knowing how it was heard and how it was validated and then on top of that, uh, the, the level of compassion that came, and it was all of a sentence and a half. You didn't write it like a novel, but it was just enough for me to feel safe and feel the feel that I had a place in all of this and and want to get up and, and, and give my best. Um, and so I'm sharing that to say that I can imagine that that is being reciprocated throughout our organization because I know I'm not the only one that was having similar feelings. So I love when we go back to culture, I love that it, in my mind, it always starts at the top. It's the examples that are being set. It's examples and, and not the perfection, but it's examples of showing that if we want this to be an organization that's truly compassionate, if that's all our hallmark, then let's show it at all levels and in all ways. And you did just that. Well, what a beautiful compliment. Um, I, I think what I got out of that was like the feeling of safety. And mm -hmm. I think that's what we all need is to feel safe in order to be ourselves. Yeah. And I, I think we titled our episode, Give Me Safety, mm -hmm. which is so symbolic because I feel like we do that with the work that we do, right? For our clients who unstably housed or are housed in really unsafe circumstances right now, um, we are here to provide safety through housing opportunities or access to, to real resources um, that can help them, that can, that can get them to the safety that they deserve and that they yeah. need to, to thrive, right? And to, to grow and, and develop into these like beautiful self-actualized human beings that, you know, we're all striving to be. So I think that when we focus on making folks feel safe, we can create really, really beautiful connections and relationships with one another. And that can happen in the workplace, that can happen at the grocery store, that can happen um, with our kids, with our spouses, with our partners, that can happen with our friends, that can happen with our parents, that can happen and should happen. Um, in Ubers with yeah, I mean everywhere these things like if people feel safe, you know what's what's the term like like disarming right? You meet someone like that's kind of Justin's gift. Um, he's really disarming. 
okay, well, the stereotype or like the narrative I made up about you, right, from looking at you, that's now not true. Okay. And you're also, you're like this, this other way. And so now I sort of feel, now I feel like, oh, okay, I, maybe I can be who I really am too. Um, and like, just what a gift. Like if we can do that for people, we can do it for one another and we can do it for our clients. That is literally one of the most important things that we can do to for another human being is make them feel seen and still like loved when they're acting like them and then judge them later or <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I mean, sure. But, um, but you know, it's what, it's what we all yeah. need. We all, we all need it. We all need psychological safety, yep. physical safety and psychological safety. Yep. Hmm. Me safety. And, yeah. All right, my friends. Right, that's the title of this episode. This episode, Give Me Safety. Uh, well, we finally made our first podcast episode. Hey. It happened. Y years. We've been talking about it for years. It's definitely not going to be as good as we uh, have made it in our heads, but maybe like three episodes in, it's going to get real tight. So mm -hmm. if, if our friends mm -hmm. can stick with us through these first mm -hmm. like three, they're going to be sketchy. We're just we're getting used together. to it. We're all in it together. Come on. Yeah. 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 We're just getting used to it. So, I mean, I, it's, it's going to be good next week. We're going to talk about anxiety. <laughs> That'll be good. None of us here have it. Right. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> this is the perfect group. This is the perfect group. Um, perfect group to talk yep. about anxiety. Justin will show up having meditated and be like, no, I feel great. No, Justin's going to text at 3 a.m. and be like, hey, you guys ready to do the podcast? Now I can't sleep. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be it's great. It'll yeah, be happen. great. <laughs> okay, well, let's move into our closing segment, Now What? Now What is a kind of intentional closing that we're going to do with every episode with a kind of like heartful one-on-one -on -one with with at least one of us during each episode. Um, I think I'm doing this episode, yeah? You're up. Yeah, I'm going to close it out. You're closing. Okay. Uh, the vibe I'm going for is that that cool dude that was at the end of 60 Minutes. Um, Rooney. Andy Rooney. Yeah. Um, I have a skeleton behind me. I don't have his bookshelf. <laughs> Uh, but we'll go here. So culture is everything. We hear that we can't all work in environments that feel like this or like the way we've described it today. But the reality is that we can. There's really no reason we can't connect with our teammates in meaningful ways. We're better when we're connected. We need to be connected. And we work better when we feel supported and cared for. It's not rocket science. It's just connection. If you're a supervisor, I challenge you to try to connect with your staff, put away the so-called boundaries, recognize your team is made of human beings, human beings who need to feel connected to survive, and that feeling doesn't go away at work. Try to think about your teams this way if you don't already. To those of you who work in teams, try thinking about your colleagues like this. Try telling the truth more, abandoning any passive aggressiveness if that's your vibe. Try expecting more from your leadership. If you don't get it, look for a place you can work that has more of this. You deserve it, and these workplaces do exist. We're proof of it. Signing off. Jeez.